Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, where the depression is real, the despair is real, and one host's desire to get away from the other host is always real. I am the host that you come back to see every week, Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas, and he is the host that... Uh, probably thinks a little bit sketchy from week to week. James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And James, how are you doing this week? I'm always concerned about you. I, I know, and I would just like to start out with a compliment for you. Thank you oh, for working dear God. me and our three to four wrong and wronger listeners into your busy schedule. I know that you just come and go as you please and pop up with 10 minutes notice and then disappear for weeks at a time. But this time, for whatever reason, the stars have aligned and you have shown up here to, uh, I would say, grace us with your presence. But what is what is the opposite of grace? Curse us with your presence? Oh, what, what shameful things are about to befall us. Uh. And as my phone is blowing up this morning, please do the show. Please, I can't go on without you. Everyone is here to see you. The show is nothing without you. So, yeah, I find a little time as a favor to James Breakwell. Just to me and to Judy P and to Nate and to our several other listeners whose names I have forgotten, <laughs> but who definitely exist. Are you are you doing this podcast from a wind tunnel? Like, where, where are you right now? So... I'm outdoors, and uh, I was, I'm actually covering the microphone of the camera phone with my hand to try to keep the wind off of it. I was gonna, you can just barely see, I don't know if you're gonna have this in your frame, but the doghouse is behind me. I was gonna set up the camera on the roof of the doghouse, but it's way windier now than when I left for breakfast about an hour ago. So I'm under the carport roof and set up on the bed of my pickup truck. Okay. I'm so damn country. But yeah, it's uh, it's whipping through for sure. So two quick points. One, I thought you were going to say you were setting up in the doghouse because that's the only place Mrs. Steve will let you live now. And that would portend yet another <laughs> wonderful disaster. Two, you put me off till now with no ability to predict your schedule because of breakfast? Freaking yeah. breakfast? You couldn't yeah. say, I'm going to eat at 10, but I can definitely record at 11. You had to say, well, breakfast, question mark. I, I don't know when that's going to be done. Who knows what breakfast is? An hour? 16 hours? Who All can right. predict a oh, meal? Hold on. Let me give you a little context here, Mr. Naysayer. Uh-huh. Mrs. Steve tried to kill me last night. And she oh. failed in her assassination attempt, and that threw everything today off. Well, I think I speak for everyone when I say my condolences to Mrs. Steve for failing to succeed. <laughs> I, I wish her better luck next time, but okay, go ahead and elaborate. Well, she uh, cooked chicken last night, and there was something up with part of what I ate. I think it was ricin that she sprinkled <laughs> over the top of mine. But I woke up at midnight, and let's just say traffic was not slowing down on the freeway, if you know what I'm saying. And I was up till about 3, just back and forth and dying. And so I slept till almost 9 this morning. In fact, I looked, when I first texted you, I had woken up briefly, and I already was like an hour after you texted me, and then I fell back asleep after that. So, yeah, breakfast was not an exact science today. I, uh, 
I actually, I was a little perplexed when you said you weren't awake because for some reason you go to bed at 7 p.m. and wake up at 2 a.m. <laughs> working just an opposite schedule of everybody else, even though you set your own hours for almost all of your projects. So I was legitimately confused to find you still asleep at 7 a.m. <laughs> not confused enough that I would apologize for waking you up and not, but you know, not concerned enough that I would actually inquire about what was wrong. But I thought, I thought perhaps you had just taken one small step toward normal normality and slept until a normal human hour but i guess it took a serious illness to get you there yeah so uh i'm uh i'm i'm a tentative i'm day to day as they say in the world of professional sports so how do you explain the fact that mrs steve was not food poisoned at all i'm telling you she had complete control over which portions got the arsenic and which did not Oh, so it's arsenic now. You downgraded it from rice. And I mean, either way. Oh, rice, this... yeah. Well, it was a mixture. <laughs> it was uh, the trifecta. A little hemlock was thrown uh, in there. I'm pretty good... sure. And probably mercury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think all those things cause death and not necessarily diarrhea. But what do I know? Actually, what I do know <laughs> is that now that we both said those words, this is definitely getting flagged by the <laughs> FBI and buried on YouTube. The only silver lining here is they can't demonetize us because we make a straight up zero dollars per episode. So they can they can do their worst. Well, and how could we actually drop below our listener and viewer count anyway? Like, are, are we going to go into fractions of people watching? It kind of reminds me of uh, so way back in the day when I was on the swimming team for one year in high school. My <laughs> oh first my. race, I jumped in. I was doing the breaststroke, and I started out with a belly flop, and I was just <laughs> way in last. Way, way, way in last, like by like a pool length or two. Like, you know, I was getting the pity clap all the way at the end. I'm that sad guy who's just struggling in, and everybody's just hoping that I don't drown because then that's going to slow them up because they got to wait for the ambulance. So I finally make it to the end, and apparently I didn't touch with both of my hands at the exact same time. And the official there disqualified me. They disqualified oh my, my last place finish because I didn't touch with both hands at the exact same time. Like it somehow gave me a fraction of a second of an advantage to my crushing defeat. Like I lost by like minutes to everybody else. And that's what it would be like if YouTube tried to demonetize us or like even, even hide our videos. It's like, who are you hiding it from? No one was looking for it anyway. Wow, that is one sad and angry human being, James, <laughs> that wanted to lord over poor 14-year-old James Breakwell. Jesus. Oh, I, uh, I'm sure I deserved it. I mean, if you're going to pile on anybody, I mean, it's, it's got to be on me. It's, I hope that person feels better about their life. I hope whatever, whatever aggression, whatever emotional things they had to work through, <laughs> they, they resolve them right there by destroying my not-so-promising pool career. I'll tell you what, I had an opposite thing happen, and it's just as humiliating in that uh, when I was eight years old or nine years old, I was in a bowling league, and I threw, hang on, 21 straight gutter balls, <laughs> and is that right? No, uh, 19 straight. Nine, I had a zero, 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 I, my score was zero going into the last ball of the 10th frame. Wow. And... Uh, Everybody's scores were up on the overhead scorekeeper thing. And so everyone in the league, and it's all my idiot friends from school and the public school in town. Like everyone my age knows it's me. My name is up there and it's one zero after the other. And the harder I tried, the worse it got, except for that last ball. 
almost everybody in the bowling alley was sort of gathered around seeing if I would literally bowl a zero because they all suck and children are the worst in the world. But I, I, I hit the pin. I got a seven. I bowled a seven and the whole place erupted in applause and it was the worst feeling. I wish I would have been disqualified in the sixth frame and marched the hell out of there. So... <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter, James. Once you're humiliated, it, there's no piling on. It just continues to humiliate. Well, they do something in cross country around here that sometimes if you're in last place, not like, you know, closely last, but like yeah, last right, right. last by enough that the other runners have finished and recovered and finished <laughs> hugging their parents and hanging around that they will go out and they will jog in with the last place person. And it's usually somebody who very clearly is not built for the sport of running. It's not <laughs> somebody small and fleet of foot. It's somebody who, who has more of a frame to haul around and they're just trucking in there. And it's pretty good that they can do this race at all. You can tell that just finishing is their goal, but sometimes there will be like a flock of like a hundred kids running in with this person. Aww. And on the, on the same time, you like look at it from the outside and you're like, well, that's kind of tough touching that they're showing support in this way <laughs> at the same time like if that was me if i was that last place person i would want to die i would just i would say don't look at me don't escort me in here let's all avert our eyes and just let me have this personal battle by myself that happened to my son uh, in one 5k race and now he's in shape and mm -hmm. he would run at nine and ten and kill all the other nine and ten year olds in the 5k he was good except there was one race he was running with a friend of his and they're stupid <laughs> and uh, you know from running cross country you gotta sort of pace yourself on the way out the, your yeah. body's got to warm up they went out sprinting and they were like a hundred yards in front of the rest of the pack and then just bonked <laughs> and uh, my son was like I, I can't go on so i ran the race and i sort of backtracked and got him and he was walking and i said you want to quit he said nope i said all right and we held hands and i said you keep your head up we're going to walk across the finish line and that is what we did we were in last place but we finished that damn race I mean, that would be an inspiring story if he had, like, some serious medical condition or injury to overcome. But, like, if you do it just because you try to beat everybody else and give up, I, I don't know. Hey, did you, see the, did you see the Kentucky Derby? I didn't watch it, no. I didn't. It's my favorite sporting event of the year because it's two minutes long and you don't need to know anything beforehand. You can just roll in. The announcer will give, like, a two-minute two spiel beforehand to explain who's the favorite, and then you just go. And I missed it this year. I was sad. But it's so short that I caught the entire thing on Twitter afterwards. And, oh. yeah, this year the winner, I, I, I felt kindred with this horse. Uh, he was a, 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 yeah, it was a kindred spirit. So he... Uh, he, well, he wasn't even in the Kentucky Derby on Friday. Like, somebody else had to scratch. Or they, so they stuck him in there in the last place spot. And he was, like, second or third to last the whole race. And everybody else went out uh, at a record pace and wore themselves out. And yep. at the end, he somehow slipped through the pack on the inside bar and just out of nowhere. The, the announcer did not call this horse's name once the entire race as he was shouting about everybody else until the final, like, two steps where this horse comes out of nowhere and wins. And like He the, won? He won. He won. Wow. And the jockey had never been in the Kentucky Derby before. The horse's trainer had never been in the Kentucky Derby before. The, before. the horse's owner had never been in the Kentucky Derby before. And the, the horse had no idea what was going on or was just kind of a jackass. So the horse 
out of nowhere wins the biggest <laughs> race ever. And then like, you know, they have those, uh, those people in the red coats that come around with their horses and guide your horse away. Yeah. Like that horse was biting the guide horse. He just did not <laughs> want anybody to touch him. No idea what was going on. So either the fame instantly went to his head or he's just kind of a surly horse in general. But I thought that's, that's, that's somebody I can believe in right there. A crappy that horse. A yes. A crappy horse who just wants to fight everyone, but every once in a while has a crazy good day that nobody can explain. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my crazy good day, James. I don't know about you. Yeah, I very much so. I'm still waiting for my horse moment. And you can bet when I finally have my Kentucky Derby moment, I'm going to bite everyone. Just oh, <laughs> well, you kind of have a Kentucky Derby moment set up. Tell people about the exciting stuff you're up to, James. I got an email alert and I had to listen to your voice for about 15 minutes. It really gave me the creeps the other day. You Okay, so first of all, you listen to my voice for 25 minutes every week. I mean, Except that's the only part of this podcast worth listening to. But Yeah, but I get to talk a little bit in this oh, one. Yeah, that, that's that's the downside of this podcast, definitely. <laughs> So I have launched a Substack account. So I've taken my uh, my email list, which has gotten quite a large following, and I've made it more professional. I migrated over to Substack, and now it has all sorts of new features. There's um, and one of which is the one that Steve was complaining about, but about a hundred other people said they loved it, and it got what? it got about a hundred times more downloads than this podcast here. So I think I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> Apparently, the problem is you. So at the start of every email, since these emails are as long as a chapter in a book, what I've it decided to do is I've started to narrate them. So at the start, at the very top, there's a button you can click and I will read this email to you for everybody who has to go out there and do 19 other things and can't just focus on one thing. Uh, and the other big advantage of Substack now is there's a paid subscriber tier. So everybody who was on for free before, you still get the Monday uh, morning email just like always, but better because it's got the audio with it. But now uh, subscribers get a whole bunch of other posts. There's an extra bonus email on Thursdays and that's the one where I can go really crazy because the people who don't like me so much aren't going to be able to see it because you probably aren't going to pay me five bucks a month if you hate me. So I can really kind of tell the real truth about, you know, who Steve Olivas is and all these other terrible what? things. And then there's going to be uh, there's going to be other posts, exclusive uh, web comics. There's going to be discussion posts, all sorts of fun stuff on there. So, yeah, jamesbreakwell.substack.com, jamesbreakwell.substack.com, or just go to Substack and search James Breakwell. There's not that many Breakwells out there. I will pop up. Uh, I know Steve will never pay the five dollars so i am free on there to say whatever i want about him and if you just want to sign up for free i'd love to have you monday mornings are a great time <clears throat> well you just saved me five dollars thank god for that the uh commotion you hear in the background is mrs steve preparing the bush hog she's going to want her phone back soon but the uh, sub stack is just how it sounds, sub stack. I know James went barreling through it because he assumes everyone knows what he knows, which isn't very much. So frankly, everybody probably could know what he knows. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, two of those downloads were me. Like I, I started listening and I had to stop and sort of center myself to get prepared <laughs> emotionally for what was going on. And then I, I started over. It, you know, like you, when you take like a NyQuil or cough syrup or something, you got to down it all at once like a shot of tequila. That's how I took that Substack audio recording. Now, what I want to know is why you even bothered to do that when you could have simply read the text and not heard my voice at all. 
I started reading the text, but I thought, well, there is some novelty to listening to James read his own stuff, and I immediately regretted it, but <laughs> I, I tried it, you know. I, I wanted something to compliment you on, and while I couldn't find anything, that doesn't mean there will never be something. <laughs> so it's actually – so this podcast has instilled me with a false sense of confidence because our standards <laughs> are so low that we can just stumble through it. We can we can just blurt things out and talk over each other and start sentences and stop sentences and use made-up words, and it just doesn't matter. People know what, what to expect. But when I go through – and narrate a podcast or uh, narrate an email where it's, you know, 2,000 or 3,000 carefully organized words built in just yeah. such a way. I've got to actually read what's on there. And to read 3,000 words without stumbling is impossible. And it turns out I stumble about every sentence and a half. So recording that 15 minute audio segment <laughs> took me like an hour and a half to both record it and then go back through and edit out all the pauses and stumbles and everything else. Uh, so apparently I I can just barely read, which is not a ringing endorsement of my Substack. But hey, you don't have to read it. I will read it to you. So we got that going for us. Well, it's a ringing endorsement in the final produced product of your Substack. But I will say, after trying out some runs with doing the audiobook version with some of my rock stars, it's you're <clears throat> you. The way you just set that up was you're about five to six times as long as the finished product. Uh, to mm -hmm. get the finished product done. And that's that's about right. It really is more difficult than it looks. And this was not my first rodeo either. I've narrated four audiobooks in a professional studio. And it turns out, and, and every time I feel bad because there's some poor audio engineer that every time I stumble, he's got to go back in and redo that. So this is yeah. the first time that I had to deal with the consequences of my own ineptitude. Uh, but it turns out it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's pretty doable. If you listen to the finished product, I would say it sounds roughly on par with those audiobooks. And those audiobooks were made in like multi million dollar studios with top of the line equipment. So I mean, like even even the microphone I was talking into was like ten thousand dollars there. And I know the audiobook producer paid a substantial amount of money to block, you know, book this studio time. Yep. And it turns out that on a fifty dollar mic at home, I can get pretty close to the same thing. I'm sure it's like ten percent off, you know, the wow. perfection you get there. But I don't know if that ten percent is worth those thousands of dollars. So it really has led me to call into question what what exactly they've been paying for all this time. And it really does emphasize how the $5 you paid for the subscription is a bargain compared to what you could be paying if James is actually doing this right. Yeah, if I was paying to do this in a professional studio, I would be broke. I would be earning more <laughs> negative money than this podcast earns every episode. <laughs> yeah, well, hell, you only pay once every two and a half to three years, so it's really oh. no skin off your teeth. I was just thinking that I'm going to have to... Probably all these $5 subscriptions are just going to go to paying you for this stupid podcast that loses money. <laughs> yeah, well, I, hey, it's uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Nothing wrong with that. But I mean, at this point, like, I feel like I have to pay you because otherwise you're going to be homeless and destitute. And then I won't have anything to talk about. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you're going to have as many disasters when you live in a cardboard box in an alley as you do right now when you've got all these hauntings and alien abductions and rattlesnakes. Did you talk about the rattlesnake yet, the one you sent me a picture of the other day? No, but I thought you would enjoy that. So I did tweet it out, too. But uh, the rattlesnake is not going to be a problem anymore. What do you mean by that, Steve? 
it uh, slithered off into the woods and started a family and okay. got a job out of state. So gotcha. I think uh, it's going to move in a few days. The moving, the little snakey moving van was here, and uh, it doesn't have a lot of stuff, believe it or not. I'm, I'm sure the snake will be will be very happy at his new location and live a long and healthy snake life, however long that is. The uh, and that is the only possible way to interpret that resolution. I got to say though, you you seemed very confident when you moved on to Rattlesnake Ranch that once there was human habitation, the rattlesnakes would just politely leave. And that rattlesnake seems to suggest otherwise. You know, we have seen a couple out here, but they're usually up near where the deer feeder is. Like uh, they eat some of the mice that come up to eat the corn. This one was right at the garage. Like it was a strange, they don't come by the house ordinarily. I think I told you the first time we ever set foot on this property with the realtor, there was one tucked up against the small cabin back there. And uh, we haven't seen one anywhere near the houses since, just because we're always tromping around and we use both cabins for different things. So I don't know, that one just happened to come upon our house and thought, well, this is a pleasant place to stay. And uh, it's uh, now it's not pleasant anymore. It's cool. moving. I think it got a job somewhere in the Portland area. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, because growing up, I had a terrible fear of all poisonous snakes. But I don't think most North American snakes are actually that poisonous to adults. Like if you got bit by a rattlesnake and did nothing for a long time, you would die. But I think typically if a rattlesnake beats, bites an adult, I think you typically can just kind of drive yourself to the hospital and be okay. Is that is that correct, or are they more deadly than what I'm remembering? I don't know the answer to that. In fact, I was talking with my son on the phone yesterday, and I said, <clears throat> I get some conflicting advice with regard to how to ward off rattlesnake bites insofar as I have heard that there are very few snakes strong enough to bite through denim pants, and uh, then others that say, yeah, you need snake gators, which are like... Um, like bulletproof pants that you wear. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't, I, again, it depends on how allergic to the poison you are, I guess, or the venom. Uh, people get all torqued if you use poison or venom wrong. I use them interchangeably. But I, I don't think this is a pair of dice that I'm willing to roll one way or the other, James. Well, since you disappointed our four listeners when you would not dig up the grave, I think now you owe it to us and to science to test out these hypotheses. So put on some jeans and go kicking around in snake country and see if the snake can bite through and then buy some Kevlar snake gators or whatever whatever other defensive measures you have and try it again. Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll just see what, what can bite through, what can't. I will 100% endorse this experiment from the safety of my house 100 miles away and, and we'll have a good time. A hundred miles away. That's not close enough for you and poisonous snakes. I mean, that's not far enough. <laughs> not close enough. <laughs> yeah, and truthfully, I don't know. That's your. How long does it take to get from Indianapolis to the to your area? Is it a four hour drive? A five hour drive? It's it's more five. than a hundred mile. Five hour drive. Yeah. Five hours, and there should be a moat there. I think we got the Ohio River between us, so we're we're good. That's uh, we, they just need to blow some bridges, and <laughs> and then we'll keep you and the snakes down there, and us and civilization up here, and everybody will be happy. Oh, I guess you do cross the Ohio River in Louisville, don't you? Yes. I was thinking, do you cross a river? Yeah, there's a big one, a big bridge in Louisville. That's true. Yes. I think that's the one with the stealth toll. It's like there is a toll oh, here. It is. And, and you, that's new. The yeah. rodents. Yes. And you look around and you look around. You're like, where's the toll? Am I going to go to yeah. jail? And then like two months later, you get a bill for $8 yeah. in the mail. Like, what is this? Who does that? 
they yeah, do. Yeah, and uh, it's like a buck sixty toll that you can't pay, so then you get an eight dollar bill in the mail, which you have to pay. It's a very strange system. Oh, I thought. I thought it was just $8. Is there a way to not pay $8? I just thought yes. it was the most expensive bill in the world or the bridge in the world. <laughs> no, you have to get one of those things for your dashboard or uh, like behind your rearview mirror mm-hmm. that uh, it scans on the way through and then it'll hit your account for a buck and a half or something. And how much does the scan thing cost? I think they're free. Mrs. Steve got one for me when I was traveling so much because she got tired of getting hit with $8 bills in the mail when I'd blow those things. Yeah, So. It- I mean, it's not like, you know, you, okay, you, I, I go across that bridge like once every three years. It's not like I'm going to plan in advance. Okay, on this 700-mile drive, is there going to be one bridge I need to get a pass for like months in advance? It's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, I don't have any idea, but it's a U-toll or something. But yeah, and that toll is kind of new. Like uh, that old uh, iron girder bridge was up forever. You just zip both directions for free, and then they shut that sucker down, probably because it was about to fall into the river, and then put up the new toll bridge. And you can actually, I think you can dodge. I don't think it's the only bridge through. It's just the only fast bridge through. Like if you were really determined, I think you can get off and go on city streets and go over some tiny rickety bridge and then get back on the interstate. But usually I'm driving with like 95 kids in my van, and that's just not an option, (laughs) and they know that, and that's how they get you. Well, you can drive past the KFC Yum Yum Center right off the freeway there by the Louisville Bat Stadium. Yeah, there's a soccer stadium over there, too, if I'm thinking of the right city, or maybe I'm getting them mixed up. When I went and got the Mountain Lion, I drove through all those southern states, (laughs) and uh, I I had a sightseeing tour all by myself. It was just me at first, and it was just me and the Mountain Lion on the way back. Wow, and the conversation had to be scintillating. As it always is with me, as it always is. All right, Mrs. Steve is pacing fervently back and forth, waiting for her phone so she can listen to tunes while she's doing some (laughs) mowing. So I got to walk us out of here, James. Is that all the blathering you need to do for one week? Yes, that is all I've got. Subscribe to Substack to hear me and not Steve. It is your dream come true. Oof, or your nightmare. (laughs) Until we meet again, this is Steve, the dreamboat Olivas for James, the oil tanker of death, Breakwell, saying thanks for... I don't know, the thing fell apart on me. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember, as always, two wrongs can't make a right.